Thank you very much, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to speak here. Wendy and I are delighted to be with you. Well, I am, uh, at any rate. Um, so I'm going to start with uh, uh, a bold and provocative prediction. I think there will come a time when we will need robots of good character. If advancements in robotics technology continue as they are today, at some point in the future, I believe we will need robots that are capable of behaving with moral integrity. Robots that can perceive and evaluate the moral significance of their own actions and the actions of those around them. And I'm not the only one making that prediction. Uh, in their book entitled Moral Machines, Teaching Robots Right from Wrong, Wallach and Allen argue that as the degree of robot autonomy increases, and as the ethical sensitivity of what the robots do increases, then there will be increasing levels of morality that these machines will need to be able to exhibit. Let me take a minute just to uh, explain what they mean by robot autonomy and ethical sensitivity. Autonomy in robotics typically refers to the ability of a robot to act independently of direct human intervention. Normally, to be autonomous, a robot needs four things. It needs to be able to sense the environment around it, it needs to be able to use the information from the sensors to be able to uh, recognize the situation that it finds itself in. It then needs to be able to make a decision on how it should respond, what action it should take, given the situation that it's in, and then it needs to be capable of performing that action. So, for example, an autonomous vehicle needs to be able to sense uh, what is in front of the, of the car as it's driving along. It needs to be able to recognize, for example, from its sensors that a pedestrian is crossing the road in front. It then needs to decide how it's going to respond to that situation, whether it's going to change the steering angle uh, or, adjust, or adjust the uh, brakes. And then it needs to be able to physically execute that task, so actually change the steering angle of the car and apply the brakes without any intervention whatsoever from the human occupants in the vehicle. That is autonomous behavior from a robot. By ethical sensitivity, Wallach and Allen mean the sensitivity to the value of others. So in the autonomous vehicle example, a this is a robot that has high ethical sensitivity since its actions have a direct bearing on the lives of human beings, both inside and outside the car. And we've seen already um, very recently the consequences of that in the semi-autonomous Tesla car. A washing machine, on the other hand, which is you could argue a kind of robot has relatively low ethical value. I don't think anybody is going to die if it happens to choose the wrong spin cycle. 
So Wallach and, and Allen argue that as robots become increasingly autonomous and as what they do becomes more ethically sensitive, then increasing levels of moral competency will be required of the robot. But actually, in my view, I, th I have problems with their definition of ethical sensitivity because it already includes a strong moral dimension. It's kind of self-referential. And I would argue that there are actually three fundamental dimensions of robot development that, although individually do not have measures of moral impact, when taken together, strongly imply the need for moral competency in robots. And I agree that the first dimension is robot autonomy. But I think the second dimension is the, the degree of intelligence of the robot. You see, the more intelligent a robot is, the more it is able to represent and reason about the world around it, and the more it is able to make decisions that may have moral consequences. And I think the third dimension is the degree of physical complexity of the robot. A robot that has high autonomy and high intelligence but low physical complexity is not going to have a great impact on the world. Think about a highly intelligent can opener. It might be able to think deep thoughts, but it's, not going to, its actions are not going to have a great impact on the environment around it. But as robots become more complex in terms of, say, the number of joints that they have, then the number of ways in which they can interact with the world increases to the point where it becomes difficult to predict ahead of time all of the actions that a robot could take in its lifetime. A legitimate question to ask at this point is, can robots really be moral agents? Isn't moral agency something that's restricted to the set of human beings? Well, many of you will know that philosophers have argued about what counts as a moral agent, who or what counts as a moral agent, for centuries. But regardless of whether we think robots can really be moral agents or not, there are artificial intelligence scientists in the world who are making serious efforts to develop robots that are equipped with what is now called autonomous moral agency. That is, robots that can automatically make and act on their own moral decisions. I was with some of them in, in Brussels on Tuesday. Broadly speaking, there are two approaches to developing autonomous moral robots, top-down and bottom-up. Top-down approaches typically involve the creation of rules and formal logics that enable a robot to reason about the world and, and about the moral consequences of its actions. Bottom-up approaches, on the other hand, are more developmental and organic. 
where social values and moral behaviours emerge and develop as the robot interacts with the world. Now, the problem with the top-down approach is that it's very limited and it's brittle, very much like uh, the expert systems technology of the 80s and 90s, uh, really good at, at tackling very specific problems, but totally hopeless when it comes to generalizing general situations like we, we face in everyday normal life. And when we reflect on our own moral behavior, we rarely feel the need to produce rigorous logical proofs of the morality of our own actions. That is, until we're caught doing something wrong. And it would be really useful to have a, 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 a proof logically based that what we were doing was necessary. In contrast, the bottom-up approach gives room for gradual development of moral competence based on machines learning uh, through real and simulated interactions with the world. And we know in artificial intelligence, particularly from recent developments uh, in uh, deep learning, that this tends to lead to systems that are more robust and capable of generalizing what they have learned to new and unseen situations. But the purely bottom-up approach, however, in my view, will fail to lead to genuine morality if the robot has no external moral standards of behavior against which it can compare its emerging values and moral drivers. A robot cannot develop moral competence in a moral vacuum. What I think is needed, if we're going to do this, is a bottom-up approach that is guided by top-down principles and examples of good moral behavior. And if we think about the human condition, most of the time, we simply act and react to the situations we find ourselves in. And those actions and reactions, whether they're morally good or bad, come from who we are. They come from our character. And I'm becoming con increasingly convinced that if we are going to develop robots that are capable of genuine autonomous moral agency of any kind, then they will need to be equipped with something close to what we would regard as good moral character. But where does good moral character come from? Well, I have found the writings of the late Professor Dallas Willard very helpful in approaching this. Briefly, Professor Willard bases his view of character on Jesus' answer to the question, what is the greatest commandment in Mark chapter 12, verse 30? And that's equivalent to asking, what do I have to do to be a really good person? And Jesus' response, you'll remember, was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
And Professor Willard offers five, these five things that Jesus lists here as the essential dimensions of the self, all of which play an important role in the development of personal character. And Willard organizes these dimensions into five concentric circles. The innermost circle represents the heart, the will, the spirit, which he says are three different names for essentially the same thing. Heart, will, and spirit includes the ability to choose and to generate original ideas. It includes the ability to make moral choices. And this, of course, is fundamental to ethical accountability and to the development of moral character. Will robots ever be able to exhibit free will? Well, there are some prominent philosophers in the world today that argue that even humans don't possess free will. And I do have things that I could say on that, but I'm going to dodge that question right now. Suffice it to say that it may be possible at some point in the future to simulate free will sufficiently well to be convincing. So moving outwards, the next concentric circle represents the mind in thought and feelings. Thought brings forth the it brings before the heart, the will, and the spirit in different ways the things that, that the mind needs to consider. It enables the agent to reason about things and to explore possibilities. It includes the agent's imagination and creative abilities. Feelings constitute the emotions that incline the agent towards or away from whatever comes before the mind. And considerable effort has been and is being put in by the artificial intelligence research community into finding ways of simulating thought and emotions. So we have heart, will, and spirit. We have thought and feeling. And the next concentric circle is the body. And the body is the personal power pack of the ethical agent. It locates them in time and space, and it enables them to interact with the physical world around them. It also provides the sensory apparatus that enables the agent to perceive the physical environment and includes actuation mechanisms, muscles, that enable the agent to control and move various parts of its body. Now, Wendy... <laughs> Good timing, Wendy. Um, the now robot I've brought here is a good example of a robot which is pretty well approximates a human body. And I'm going to run a little demo with Wendy right now. Hopefully, she's up to this. Introduce yourself, Wendy. Introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Wendy. I have my own power pack in the form of a rechargeable battery. 
I also have a number of sensors including cameras and touch sensors. Is that all, Nigel? Could you do some Tai Chi for us? Okay. Please sit down. Sit down. There we go. Well done. She did it. <laughs> so Wendy has a, a a highly functional body, actually better than mine. I can't do that Tai Chi. <laughs> uh, but it does locate her in time and space, and it doesn't enable us to interact with her. The next of Professor Willard's circles represents the social context. This is the context in which the agent operates. It encompasses all of the interactions or relationships that the agent has with other agents. And it's in this sphere in which moral or immoral actions have an impact on others. And as you've just seen, robots like Wendy are capable of doing interactions with people, albeit at the moment at a very uh, basic level. And according to Pro Professor Willard, we don't live from the will alone. Actually, he says we live largely from the soul, and, and that forms the outer circle of his scheme. And he suggests that the soul integrates all of the other dimensions of the self together to form one whole person. Think of the soul as being like the operating system of your computer or your mobile phone like the Windows 10 or the Mac OS X 10.6 or whatever it is you've got on your device. That is software that integrates all of the different parts of the computer together, the memory, the uh, input and output devices, um, the software, to enable the computer to function as one device. When you're interacting with a computer, you're not thinking, I'm working with a CPU now, or I'm doing this. You're thinking about it as one device. And that's what Willard argues the soul is like. It pulls together these dimensions into one whole person. And traditionally, the soul is seen as the seat of the personality that over time takes on or learns the moral character of the decisions and the behavior of the agent. 
And this is the function of the soul in the ethical agent. Under this view, moral action stems not just from trying to choose to do the right thing, whatever that might be, but actually is strongly influenced by the moral character of the agent. If robots are going to be moral agents in the world, to the same level or anywhere near the human level competence of moral agency, they will, in my view, need to develop moral character in some form. And I believe that if we're going to achieve this, we will need to have something that is equivalent to the five dimensions uh, that Professor Willard describes in his work. And that includes something that simulates the function of the soul, enabling the robot to learn from experience the moral implications of its actions and possibly resulting in a robot of good character. Thank you.